Father God, I need more. Our church needs more. My family needs more. I want more. I want more hope, more joy, more peace, more love. I want the fullness of life that Jesus offers. Father, saturate my soul with your spirit so that I overflow with Jesus. I want more. But I confess I'm full of everything but Jesus. I've loaded my mind with so much noise that it's weary and worried. I've heaped stuff upon my soul that's left little space for the spirit who truly satisfies. I filled my time with my own agenda. I'm full, but it's not you. Something has to go. I'm bringing you everything, not you, that fills me up. I open my hands in a posture of surrender. Empty me. The noise, the distractions, the clutter, the fears, my attempts to control, my bitterness, my wounds. The burdens I've tried to carry on my own, my attempts to control, my stuff, even me. Empty me of me. With open hands, I surrender everything, not you. Empty me so you can fill me with joy and peace that overflows in hope. Empty me so you can saturate my soul with your spirit. Empty me so I can abound with the life coming from your hand. Fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Fill our families with your presence. Fill our neighborhoods with your love. Fill our valleys with the knowledge of your glory. Fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Amen. All right, well, good morning. FYI, you guys did that more heartily than the first service. I had to, like, do a pause, pep talk, come back, so thank you. Uh, Probably because you slept in, you know, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much. You guys got a little more sleep, but it's really good to be with you here. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Harvest Fields. Really great to have kind of the Calvary family all gathered together today. So we got people from Calvary Tyrone and Penns Valley and Lewistown and Calvary online. So really cool uh, to be able to do this and to be kicking off our new series. So it's going to be a 50-day journey that has a 50-day journal, devotional journal, to go along with it. And real quick, if you don't have one of those, right outside these doors, we have uh, some more that we can hand out. And listen, if you took one and lost it, I get it, all right? Grab another one, it's fine. We'd rather you be able to follow along with us than go without the journal. But it's going to be 50 days of making space, 50 days of less is more, 50 days of just kind of asking the question, how can we empty ourselves, empty our lives, create space in us so that we can be filled with Christ? Because, you know, there's this saying, nature abhors a vacuum. So it's not just about what you get rid of out of your life, it's also very important to consider what takes the place of the stuff that you got rid of. Because if you're not intentional to replace that stuff with Jesus, with him, with his uh, culture of his kingdom, then something else is going to come in and take that space. And uh, very likely it's going to be something along the lines of the stuff that we were trying to get rid of in the first place. So in this 50-day journey, we're going to be talking about different spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines that if we lean into, if we make them part of our rhythm, part of our lives, they're going to help us empty ourselves of the stuff that's not Jesus, that's not his kingdom, and it's going to help us be filled with more of him, be filled with more of the Holy Spirit, be more attentive to his voice, to his leading, all that kind of stuff. So that's what we're going to be talking about throughout the the time of this series. And we're kicking it off uh, this morning with the spiritual practice, the spiritual discipline of service. 
service. So uh, before we go any further, if you have your Bibles, you can open it to the book of Philippians. Uh, I'd like to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You can read along with me or you can follow along uh, up on the screen. So this is Paul, and uh, this is what he says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage or even something to kind of cling to, to hold on to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So as I was kind of reading those verses and just considering this first kind of kickoff spiritual practice of service, something that kind of came to my mind that I thought for me specifically, but I think applies to probably just about everybody within the modern Western culture that we all live in, that we need to empty ourselves of, something that we need to become more aware of so that we can lean and, and work towards emptying ourselves of is, is consumerism. We need to be emptied of consumerism. Now, when I say consumerism, my, my thinking is just kind of specifically the, the, again, modern, Western, even specifically, more specifically, American definition of consumerism. We've got to be emptied of consumerism. So I want to point out real quick a couple things uh, from these seven verses, just reiterate a few things that Paul said. One, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out. Now, I dug into that a little bit. Nothing means it, it's, it's nothing. That's like you go back to the original language. There's no way around it. Do nothing out of vain conceit or selfishness. That's one of them. Also, he talks about, uh, let me find it here, value others above yourselves. And then also, don't put your interests above the interests of other people. And that one really stuck out to me. And so I actually looked up the definition of consumerism. And here's how it's defined. Consumerism is the protection or promotion of the interests of consumers. So it's the protection or and or promotion of the interests of, cons- of consumers. So what's really interesting about that is Paul is telling us, don't put your interests above the interests of others. And the very definition of consumerism is saying, promote and protect your interests. So they're literally polar opposites. What, what our modern definition of consumerism is pulling us towards is in many ways discipling us towards is the opposite direction that the Holy Spirit is trying to disciple us towards. One is telling us to put our interests as paramount and the other one is telling us to put the interests of others as paramount. And I think consumerism is perhaps the greatest reason why so many of us need to create space. The reason why we have to get rid of stuff, the reason why we have to empty some things out of our lives is because we've allowed consumerism to kind of come in and fill so much of our hearts, minds, lives, attention. Because consumerism demands our time, our energy, our money, our attention. I'll give you a couple examples. I came across a product. This is a little while back. It was a shower curtain. And the shower curtain on the outside of the shower curtain, there was actually a pocket. And in that pocket, you could slide your smartphone so that while you showered, 
you could continue to consume Netflix. You didn't have to stop while you were in the showers, protected from the water. Genius, right? I also saw a meme. Now, this one I think was tongue in cheek. I saw a meme, and it was just somebody sitting on the toilet, underwear at their knees, with their phone just resting in their underwear so that they could hands-free just stare right down at their phone while they used the toilet. Now, that one, like I said, I think that one was make-believe. <laughs> Fingers crossed, that was make-believe. But it's 100% in line with that idea of consumerism demanding our attention. Because it's not just buying things, right? Consumerism is not just about buying things. Consumerism demands our attention. Keep taking, keep consuming, keep being distracted. An example from my life that hits a little bit closer to home is I, uh, we've been talking about Front Yard Mission for a while here at Calvary, about moving out in love towards our neighbors. I was outside and uh, there was a lady that was kind of walking down the street. We struck up a conversation. She was an older uh, woman who was a widower. She lived on her own, uh, just kind of right down the street from me within four or five houses. As we're talking, she was kind of letting me know about some stuff around the house, property that she has some trouble with uh, on her own, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've been praying for opportunities to connect with a neighbor, to move out in love, to serve somebody, all that stuff. I'm like, this is it. And as of today, she has never heard back from me. <laughs> and the reason I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why? And the only thing I can think of is I've allowed, I've allowed in my own heart and life, I've allowed myself to become so focused and busy and just noise right? Facebook, social media, Netflix, none of it maybe in and of itself is bad, but it's just noise. And to be a good neighbor, to serve other people, you have to be in proximity of them, but not just proximity of them, you've got to be able to pay attention to see what the needs are. And so I'm like, man, I've been praying for this very thing, and then I, dro- I completely dropped the ball because I've allowed myself to be completely distracted by the noise and by the busyness of consumerism. Now, I think that every single spiritual practice that we're going to go through in the next 50 days, every single one of them is going to butt up against consumerism. Every one of them is going to push back against that. And so we need to be intentional to just continue to lean in. You know, Jake mentioned the 1% offering. That's an amazing opportunity for us to lean in and push back against consumerism and start grabbing a hold of the kingdom of God, right? Because consumerism will always remind you of all the other stuff you could have done with that money. The stuff you'd like to buy, the stuff you'd like to buy. Some, I mean, you, you'll be able to justify it to use it as a, something to buy for your wife or your kids. Your, I mean, there's all these different things, and, and consumerism will always try to say, why don't you just keep it and use it over here instead of just giving it away? So the 1% offering is a fantastic way to push back against that consumeristic culture and lean in to generosity. So throughout these 50 days, I think one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to be putting his finger on specifically is this idea of consumerism. And so I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider where God is asking you, the steps he's showing you to take so that you can begin to empty yourself of that consumeristic mindset and begin to fill ourselves up with the kingdom of God. And I think service is a fantastic way to begin to push back against that. Look for opportunities to disadvantage yourself. Look for opportunities to give your life away so that somebody else can experience life, so that we can be living proof of a loving God. All right, Pastor Stacy Sublett is going to come out, and he's going to actually lead us in a moment of prayer. Good morning. 
I've missed you guys. It's been a while. It's been a while. I'm glad to be here. Um, like Scott said, we're going to spend a few moments in prayer. Um, and, and so I want to include those of you who are watching online. Uh, this is not a spectator sport here. This is where you, you can lean in and, and, and do this alongside all of us in the room. Um, I don't know what, what you heard, what God highlighted for you and what Scott shared, but I think there's something in there for all of us. We, we, we face this temptation to fill our lives so full that there's just not room. We, we want to consume and consume and consume. And um, so I, we're, we're going to spend a few minutes thinking along those lines. Um, here's what I'd like you to do. I want, I want to invite all of you to take a breath, close your eyes, hold that breath, Let it out slowly. As you're doing that, with your eyes closed, I want you to think about the things that brought stress into your life over the last year. Some of you, your eyes just popped open and your heads <laughs> look right at me and you're like, that's a great way to start prayer time, Stace. Thank you. Uh, I promise it's going to get better. We're going to land well here. Um, I, I'd like you to clench your fists and cross your arms across your chest and just hold them there. Close your eyes again. Hold your arms in that position. And I want you to think about the stressors, the, the disappointments and conflicts, the, the obstacles that you faced over the past year. And as those things play across the screen in your mind, I really want you to see the situations, the faces of the people, the moments don't rush through those. I want you to remember what it felt like in that moment. The anger or the pain, the shame, the tension that it brought into your body. Feel that. My guess is that the Lord's already brought some healing in some of those areas, but, but some of those things remain. Today, we're going to let those things go. We're going to let everything go. And we're going to pray the prayer that you heard in, in the sermon bumper. It's the prayer from, from the 50-day journal. If you, like Scott said, if you don't have one, please grab one before you go today. But, but I'm going to pray it, and I, I want you to follow along and, and just agree. Father God, I need more. Our church needs more. My family needs more, and I want more more. I want more hope, more joy, more peace, more love. I want the fullness of life that Jesus offers. Father, saturate my soul with your spirit so that I overflow with Jesus. I want more. But I confess I'm full of everything but Jesus. I've loaded my mind with so much noise that it's weary and worried. I've heaped stuff upon my soul that's left little space for the spirit who truly satisfies. I filled my heart with treasures that are not Jesus. I filled my time with my own agenda. I'm full, but it's not you. So something has to go. I'm bringing, I'm bringing you everything, not you, that fills me up. I open my hands in a posture of surrender. Empty me. 
So as you unclench your hands and unfold your arms, as you exhale, ask God to show you what you need to let go of. What are the images that came to mind? Name those things silently and ask God to help you let them go. The prayer continues. The noise, the distractions, the clutter, the fears, my bitterness, my wounds, the burdens I've tried to carry on my own, my attempts to control my stuff, even me, God, empty me of me. With open hands, I surrender everything, not you. Empty me so you can fill me with joy and peace that overflows in hope. Empty me so I can saturate my soul with your spirit. Empty me so I can abound with the life coming from your hand. Father, fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Fill our families with your presence. Fill our neighborhoods with your love. Fill our valleys with the knowledge of your glory. God, fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Take a moment to listen right now for the voice of Jesus. He says that his sheep, his apprentices, hear his voice. You were created to hear his voice. So ask him to speak to your heart. Ask him to speak to your mind. Maybe you even want to place a hand on your heart or, or on your ear as an I'm listening gesture. What do you hear him saying to you? What word does he have for you today? Father, we thank you for the promise that you will do exactly what we've prayed. That you want to empty us of everything that's not you. So we bring it to you. We release it to you. All of the hurts, all of the, the stuff that we've tried to fill our lives with. We release those. And we ask you to pour your spirit into our lives, to heal us where we need healed, to restore us, to bring your life into our lives. Fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. It is, uh, it's great to be together. Great to see some of you that I typically don't get a chance to to see, I, if you've been uh, gathering with us online or at one of our other um, gathering sites, you probably don't realize, but there has been an avalanche of pressure to get me to move from dark blue, dark black shirts to to more colorful stuff. I a couple weeks ago, I, I wore a green shirt. Um, 
last week, and then Christmas Eve, it was this, and then my friend, Matt Porter, got me this. No, I'm not going to put it on. You, you can clap all you want. Maybe I'll wear it next Christmas, um, if I remember. Uh, but it, we had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas as well. Our little cabin was filled with nine adults and three grandkids and four dogs. And I love it when our little cabin is filled with three grandkids. <laughs> the first, first service was way quicker than you guys on that one. Let me read Paul's words again in Philippians chapter 2 that, that Scott started us off on. Paul writes, therefore, if, there, if you have any encouragement, just even a little bit, any encouragement that comes from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, any common sharing in his spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to give you two really simple questions as we kind of wrap this up and lead into communion this first day of our 50 days of less for more um, journey. And and, uh, the, the first question is simply this. In 2023... How will I be more like Jesus? In 2023, when I come to this same time next year, what's going to have changed in me to make me even just a, a little bit more like Jesus? I, I've had a, a, a couple of people ask me in just the last couple of days, so w- what hopes do you have for 2023 looking forward? And, and to be honest, I haven't thought about it very much. I've been really kind of focused on getting stuff done for the end of the year and, and, and looking back, but... But, you know, one of the things, and, and I love when the gospel, when the Bible gets this simple, I, I, can, I think I can almost guarantee you that God's number one hope for you and me in 2023 is that we would be a little bit more like Jesus. So in what way, how will you be more like Jesus? And I want to encourage you sometime today, get specific. Take a moment, write some stuff down. Here's how I want to be more like Jesus at the end of the year than I was at the beginning. Are there hard spots in my heart that need to soften? People that I need to forgive? Do I need to be less distracted? I mean, I wonder, would Jesus ever be on the phone if a person was in his presence? Dallas Willard described being a Jesus apprentice as learning from Jesus how to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. (laughs) What would change if he were I, if he were you? Would I be more devoted to prayer? Would I be more generous and less worried? Would I I be as grumpy in the morning? Would there be as many idiots on the road if I was driving with Jesus' heart? (laughs) Would my my work goals change? Would my anger subside? Would I encourage others to have more hope? How, How would I be known in my neighborhood? Just ask yourself, how will I be more like Jesus in 2023? And, and hang on to that question. We'll come back to it. Um, but, but for now, let me just take it a little bit deeper with a what if. Uh, listen one more time to Paul's challenge to become more like Jesus in 2023. I, I, I kind of want these words to saturate our souls this morning as we go into this journey. He says again, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, even a little bit, 
anywhere you can find any encouragement that comes to you from being in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit of God, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And, and we'll see later, the one mind that he's asking us to be of is the mind of Christ. Being of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Everything Paul is describing here is for our relationships with other people. Encouragement, affection, sympathy. How are you doing with those three? There's a good checklist. Do nothing from selfish ambition. And humility count others as being more significant than yourself. That's so countercultural to our, our society, our culture. We're not even sure that's healthy. When I say count, consider others as more significant than yourself in humility. Does anyone besides me struggle with that one? As we begin this 50-day journey of lust for more, most of the emptying practices, the spiritual practices that we'll talk about, can be solitary practices. You, You can practice this in the safety of your own home, by yourself, maybe you and God, but maybe even just you, but this one, the one we're talking about today, serving, is, is one of those emptying practices that can only be done in community. Serving is an emptying practice that actually brings Jesus into our neighborhood. If you want to make room for God in your life, perhaps your neighborhood is the place to start. So here's the what if. What if Jesus lived in my house? Or zoom out a bit. What if Jesus lived in my neighborhood? You know the Jesus I'm talking about, the humble, always looking out for others Jesus, the encouraging, sympathetic Jesus, the Jesus who always makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room, if not the world. I mean, take a a moment and just imagine an open spot in your neighborhood, your community, however far out you got to go, in your area. And, and just kind of, you know, this is, this is a spot you, you may walk by on the next Seawall Sunday as you're praying for your neighborhood or, or drive by in prayer. And, and you just wonder, I wonder who's going to fill this home, this spot. And then move-in day comes and this little truck pulls up, not much stuff, single guy, early 30s, always got a smile. So one day you walk over to, to meet him. After all, your pastor won't start talking about being a good neighbor. And so you introduce yourself and he tells you that his name is Jesus. Jesus from Nazareth, creator, savior, son of God. I mean, how would that change your neighborhood? I'm not not talking about some crazy guy who thinks he's Jesus. What do you do with next door Jesus? See, here's what I think. I think it probably wouldn't take more than a day or two for us to get past the what does he think of me phase. I would go through that phase. Uh, Maybe not you. The what does he think about me phase. And then we'd move quickly to the, you know what, I just love being with him phase. Can we get together, Jesus? If Jesus lived next door, I think we would do absolutely everything we can to introduce him to absolutely every, everyone we know because there's just nobody quite like Jesus. And if he lived in my house, well, honestly, doesn't he live in our house? I mean, isn't that Paul's challenge in in verses 5 through 8? Have this mind, the mind of Christ among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form, the Greek word is morph, like mighty morphin rangers. He, He took on the form. He was the form of God. Though he was the form of God himself, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. 
and to be held on to, but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in a human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The mind of Christ is ours in Christ Jesus. Man, I don't know. I, when I think about what Jesus did with a group of ordinary men and women, and, I mean, in three plus years, they were transformed into these relentlessly loving Jesus apprentices. I, I read the book of Acts. I mean, just read the book of Acts later. I, I'm, I'm blown away by what three years of undiluted Jesus, being with Jesus, will do. And yet, here's the reality what they had is nothing compared to what we're offered. They were with Jesus. We're offered being in Jesus. <laughs> Jesus in us. It's a whole different preposition. I'm telling you, that preposition changes everything. They were with Jesus. We're in Jesus. That, that's what's offered to us. So why does hope falter, and why isn't Jesus in us just amazing people all over our neighbor, every neighborhood where we live? Well, in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus now lives in me. See, here's, I think, part of the problem. We're trying to be like Jesus without being crucified with Christ. See, see, ultimately, with all these emptying practices that we're going to practice over the course of the next 50 days, there's a lot of things that we're going to kind of train ourselves, at least practice a little bit. What does it look like if I take this out of my life? But ultimately, what we're really going for is less of me and more of him. Less of me and more of him. That's, that's what every one of the practices is all about. Less of me and, and more of him. But what if we can't get to that less of me without the surrendered life of the cross? See, here, here's what I think. We, we can't be full of Jesus without some self-emptying. What if the only thing keeping me from Jesus, what if the only thing keeping Jesus from my neighbors in 2023 is that I'm too full of me? And ponder for a moment those descriptions of Christ in, in Philippians 2. He was emptied of his entitlements. What he deserved, he did not hold on to with a death-like grip. He, he emptied himself. He didn't grasp for power or privilege, or position, laying aside his glory and leaving home. He was formed, morphed as a servant. He was the, the, the form of God. He took on the form of a servant. My, my goodness, don't we want that to just be some sort of like, like fairy tale metaphor? I mean, sure, Jesus came to serve and not to be served, but that was a temporary interruption in the normal experience of his life. And now seated at the right hand of, of the throne of God with a name that ranks number one in the universe, he is able once again to take his rightful place among the ranks of those who are served. But what if servanthood was not a temporary interruption for Jesus? What if it was actually a deeper revelation of the character of God? In other words, what if Jesus came as a servant not to hide the fact, not to disguise the fact that he was God, but, but in reality, to show us who God really is. Well, what if he came as a servant because the form of a servant on earth was actually the closest form that could be found to God on earth? Humbled on a cross. Is there, is there any other trait like humility that God values so differently from us? 
We run from humility and God goes to battle against pride. We, we, we think heroic are the people who are so prideful that they get what they want, right? Ambition. But for Jesus, don't miss this, humility is a pathway to life. Letting go is the way of gain. Paul uses a picture of being poured out in verse 17 when he says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad, I'm filled with joy. Even if I'm being poured out, I'm emptying me for you, but when I empty me for you, God gives me himself. See, when we serve, we pour ourselves out. So here's my second and last question. Just ask yourself in 2023, how will I make space for Jesus? How will I create space? What needs to be emptied out? Really, that's what we celebrate in a sense in communion. We're going to go to a time of of communion. and, And Paul says, though he was God, though Jesus was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He laid aside his mighty power and glory. He took the humble form of a slave, appeared in human form, and in human form he obediently humbled himself even farther by dying a criminal's death on a cross. And so I'm just going to encourage you. We're going to take a little bit of time to worship. The team is going to come out. We're going to sing a couple songs. And during those songs, we'll invite you to come up and take communion. There's, there's three places in the back and three up here in the front. The ones on that side, back and front, are gluten-free if you need that. But I just want to encourage you in these moments, in this space, as we take communion, as we remember Jesus, as we remember the pouring out of Jesus' life on the cross for us and his exaltation as a result of that, he gained more from God his Father as he emptied himself out. But as you take communion, just thank Jesus for being poured out for you and tell him, take a moment and just tell him as you take communion, let it it be a way of saying to him, Jesus, I, I want you to make more space for you in my life.